the last couple of weeks, we've been looking at who we are, our identity, the, the principle of sonship, okay? And we as a church is moving in the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. God is helping us, guiding us, and He is using various gifts within the church in unity to be very effective in this time. God is raising up His church in a very deliberate way. Hear me, church, in a very deliberate way. There is, where there's compromise, God will, will bring in truth. The, the things that is not of, of God will be brought under the, the lordship of Jesus Christ. Where there's not lordship, it will, be, it will bow its knee to God. And Lord, I want to just, uh, church, I want to just um, proclaim lordship. Okay, we have one Lord. Okay, and we serve one Lord within one context, the kingdom of God, his rulership, his reign within the context of the church. And the beauty of that, you being sons in his family, is that you are part of it because he chose it. And it's not just the institution, it's a family. You are family members. All right, and because you are family members, there's something special. Family members, a son has inheritance. So I want to also just start with a proclamation of truth. Okay, before we go into this subject that I want to speak to you about, and I believe it is for the season that we are in, something that I'm meditating on for myself, and something, and I think it's a very important question to ask. So the question that I'm going to put to you this morning is, what causes us not to do the will of God. Now, I can, I can stop it here and I say, okay, turn to each other and have a little discussion. Or I can say, okay, take out your notebook and think of the things that caused you maybe not to do the will of God. All right, and you can think, right, sin. And you can, you can, you can recall some things that actually caused you personally not to do the will of God. I've got... I've got many examples in my own life. And I was thinking of, of that. But let's look at the, the positive side. What causes you to do the will of God? Okay? And what helped me in my life to actually do the will of God? And, uh, and it's a good question to ask. Now, for you to, to do the will of God, the first thing that I want to just state, and this is just as a backdrop, is... For you to do the will of God, you need to know the will of God and understand the will of God. Okay, and uh, okay, my computer is frozen. All right, there you go. But it's not frozen there. Okay. So for me to do the will of God, I need to know and understand the will of God. And, and of course, we're going to go to Romans 12 too, because it says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. By the renewing of your mind, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So he's saying here, this is how you need to get to the will of God. Understand, and, and that, that prove and test speaks of getting to know it and also testing it. Right? There's a, a part where you actually do it. You just, don't just think about it. It's actually something that needs to move forward. Because in verse 3, it speaks of faith. All right, He's saying, all right, guys, you have received faith. 
And it's not your faith, it's something that was given to God. And then he goes further and he says, all right, now there's different gifts. And you all have received gifts. And then he, he brings out this encouragement and he says, now use them. All right? So he starts off this whole um, chapter in saying, all right, do not conform to this world. Transform in the way that you think so that you can figure out what is God's will. Also test and prove it for yourself. In that faith, move them forward and then do the gifts within the, this body. All right, and then he goes into the explanation of the motivational gifts that we find in Scripture. Okay, it's the gifts that was given to us by the Father. And it's those gifts that motivate us, that, that help us do what God has called us to do. But what is clear is there is not just a knowing, there's a doing. So my, my question again was, why do we not do the will of God? That's the question. All right. Let's go to James 2, verse 14 and verse 17. And he makes it very clear. He says, verse 14, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save me? And then in verse 17, he says, Faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. And it is not the teaching of you need to work towards grace or saving it is because you are saved, because you are empowered, you are now enabled to be obedient. You can now live out your faith. You can now show who you are. You can show your faith. Okay? Because through your faith, because of the gospel, because of you accepting the gospel, you are now a son. So you now act like a son, God's child. Okay? You are not a slave anymore, the Bible says. We are not slaves to sin anymore, for instance. We do not act like the world anymore. We are set apart. We need to be holy. All right. So all of that, just to come to this question again. Now, why do we not do the will of God? Okay, it's so important that we get there. Okay, excuse me. I've got this... We're going to do a bit of a, a case study, all right? Now, Saul was the first king of Israel, and he was appointed. It's something that the people asked for. And Samuel, he was the prophet that was the prophet of the day with Saul. And uh, there was a word that came to Saul. It was a, a deliberate a command by God through the prophet to Saul, and it was to go and destroy the Amalekites. Okay? So this message came across, and then Saul went out, and he destroyed the Amalekites. But the, 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 the command was that the Amalekites needed to be destroyed in totality. Everything. Nothing should be left behind. And... Uh, what happened is Saul didn't do that. He, he spared the life of the king, all right, as a trophy, and of the best of the, the livestock and the stuff that they had, they brought it back, okay? And now 
Samuel is coming back to Saul because God came to, to Samuel and he said, Samuel, I'm not happy with this king. All right. And in actual fact, this event caused the whole division of the nation of Israel to split, actually, because God said, I'm not happy with this king. He's not honoring me. Okay. And this was the moment. Now, the, the mission that we read about in 1 Samuel 15, 18 to 18 B is, it said, go and completely destroy the wicked people, the Amalekites. Wage war against them until you have wiped them out. All right, that is the, the message. That is the, the marching orders that God gave. All right, so it is very clear. So the question is, did Saul understand what to do? It's not like Romans 12, to, I need to still figure out. He had a clear word. All right. So he had a clear word. He had clear understanding of what the command of God was. And he then compromised on it. Now, let's read further in 1 Samuel 15, 19. Now, Samuel is coming to him, um, Saul now. Why did you not obey the Lord, he asks. Why do you pounce on the plunder and do evil in the eyes of the Lord? Yeah, Saul's response. But I did obey the Lord, Saul said. I went on the mission the Lord assigned me. I completely destroyed the Amalekites and brought back Agag, their king. The soldiers took sheep and cattle from the plunder, the best of what was devoted to God, in order to sacrifice them to the Lord, your God, at Gilgal. Was he obedient? He wasn't. Right. In his mind or in his justification, you can, you can read this justification, but later on in the scripture we will see actually why he did what he did. There's a root cause for this. Let's read further. Verse 22. But Samuel replied, Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and in sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of rams. For rebellion is like the sin of divination, and arrogance like the evil of idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. In that moment, because of his disobedience, and God is looking into his heart, and it's not like, oh, he missed a few pointers. You know, where there was a tick list, he had to do this, 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 oh, he missed a few wasn't that. There was a hard condition. He speaks of, of rebellion. He speaks of sin, of divination. All right. That, that speaks of, I know and I think I know better. Okay. That's what, what that's, that context is speaking about. Um, and that arrogance is like idolatry. Because idolatry is when you put something or someone above God or before God. And that is what, what God is saying here. He didn't just miss the tick list. Oh, I missed that. Oh, God. My soldiers then brought stuff back. Sorry, guys, just take it back. It's not like that. It was deliberate. There was an evil intent in this. There was a hard condition that didn't honor God. And this is what we see here. In uh, 1 Samuel 15, 24, we read, Then Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned. I violated the Lord's commands and your instructions. I was afraid of the men 
And so I gave in to them. So when Saul, uh, Samuel said to him, God is going to punish you. You're in trouble. He quickly said, okay, okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Let's just, just speak to God and, and please just let us just fix this. And then he confesses something that was in his heart. I was afraid of the men. That's why. It's not just, oh, the men took it. I was afraid. I was put in charge. And I let my men go because I was afraid of them. More than you, God. That's actually what happened. So he feared men more than God. In 1 Samuel 15, 24, we also see another thing. Samuel was looking for him after God spoke to him. And when he, he came to the place where he thought Samuel was, they told him he was not there. What was he busy with? Early in the morning, Samuel got up and went to meet Saul. But he was told, Saul has gone to Carmel. He has set up a monument in his own honor and has turned and gone on down to Gilgal. So, and what you see here is, is a man that had his own agenda. When the, the tradition of those days was when you go out and you conquer a people, you don't kill the king, you take the king with you, it's like a trophy. And you take this king and you shame this king before the people to say, look, I'm his king now. Here is the king. But if you kill the king and you cannot show the trophy, you, don't, you won't get the, the, the accolades. That is what Saul did. There was something wrong in his heart. He honored himself. Right, so what we see from this, and it's sometimes it's something that God is speaking to me as well in how I do my life, is firstly, do not honor people. Do not be afraid of people. And do not honor yourself. In everything that you do. God has given all of you specific things to do. He's giving you marching orders. And some of those marching orders will have effect on you and people around you. And sometimes it will be so um, effective in the environment that you are that people will not be happy. Especially people do, that do not honor God. And it's something that you then need to stand on. Many times people would ask us, why do you do what, I, what you do? And, it's, and, and I don't always have a rationale because I only have a word from God. So my answer is, this is the, my word. This is what I'm standing on. Now, if you have a word from God, you have a platform to stand on. It's like a podium where you can stand on and say, the Lord has said but in our day and age, we are afraid to say that. We are. People ask us and we are pushed into a, a conversation where we need to explain ourselves in the flesh. I remember when we came to George. I had a, we had a very successful company. I lived in Portchester and Pierre and Clarkstall. And the Lord called us to George. And it's like... Lord, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. And they prayed and we prayed and we had a confirmation of prophetic word. And the Lord clearly made it clear that we needed to come to George. 
So then we came to George. People asked us, why do you come to George? I'm not really sure, but God said. That's my answer. But when I speak to people in that fashion, they think I'm crazy or stupid or unwise. Those people that say the Lord said. You know that religion has taken those beautiful words of the Lord has said into something that is evil and made it religious, dead religious, because it's been misused. In this church, we need to redeem those words. In a good way, we need to trust the Lord in everything that we do. When you've got a business deal, what do you do first? You do the feasibility study and the evaluation, and then you check the internal rate of return and the net present value, and you do a risk assessment. That's what you do now. Yes. I'm a good project manager and and a businessman. What we've learned, that if we only depend on our own understanding, is those words familiar? You will not succeed. In actual fact, we need to pray first and get God's discernment on things and let Him guide us. Do we still measure the cost? Yes, we do. But we need a word from the Lord to say yes or no. Lord, is this something that we need to do? Is this something that we need to engage in? And we need to to be bold in that. So you need to have people in your life that can help you discern through things that you need to make decisions on. And you need to have such an incredible relationship with the Lord that you can have that conversation with Him. And the Lord will then help you through the community of the church to confirm that. You know, there's beautiful gifts in the church and it is very clear that we should use them. And many of them is prophetic word and discernment. Clarity in getting God's will. Because the Lord said. When I went into ministry, kids ministry, people said, what are you thinking? People close to me. And the only thing I could say is, the Lord said. And only time told the testimony of what the Lord has done. But in that moment, in that first step, I tell you, that was maybe the most difficult thing to do. Because there was so much opinion and ridicule. Because the only answer I had was the Lord said. Nothing else. And that's enough for me. But I know it's not enough for other people. Because sometimes in environments, say in that business arena where we were in, there was a lot of people that gained through us doing the projects that we used to do. And now I'm going into ministry and that's not continuing. Life is changing. Do I pity that? No, I cannot. I can only be obedient to God and then trust God with everyone else. And you know, God is faithful. I've seen it so many times. It's not that I don't care. I obviously care. I want to help people in their emotions. I want to help people in where they are at. But I want to be obedient to God first. 
in the same way, not in a religious way, in a God-honoring way, we need to gain God's word and stand on his word as we do it. Act on the faith because it takes faith. That's why they call it a faith step. (laughs) Because you need to have faith in the Lord that gave you the word and trust him because you know what? He doesn't give you the full plan. He just says, go, move. Then you move. If you look at at the heroes of faith in the Bible even, it's like Abraham, move. (laughs) Yes, Lord. And then he moved. And then the Lord clarified the purpose more and more. And that is how we need to live our lives, dependent on the word of God. Fresh word, anew. The one thing that we, we see from this is the self-interest in fear of man caused disobedience. And it was an act of rebellion. It was sinful. It was a form of idolatry. And it was disrespect to God's word. I think if we, if we take word that God gives us and we play with it, in a way that it is not God-honoring, if we don't recognize from whom it is coming from, we can fall into this trap of rebellion, sin, idolatry, and disrespect to God. I, will, I don't want to get there. I don't want to be there ever in my life. I want to obey God. We are pushed by our humanistic society to come up with reasons so that people can be accommodated. And accommodation leads to compromise. In sexuality, in marriage, and how we do life. We see it everywhere. In your day-to-day life, it trickles in. You need to have a conviction. I love the way that Renette, when parents come to, the, to her and ask, what should we do? She, 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 she wants to give them advice. But what she will say is, do you have a word from from the Lord? (laughs) No, we don't. You just tell me what to do. Please go and seek a word from the Lord. That's the best that I do. And when you come back, let us, I will pray as well. and, And we trust that God will give us wisdom. There's a scripture in James 1 that says, if we need wisdom, we need to ask. And we can trust him that he will give it to us. All right, so let us do that. No, 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 just tell me. Let's just do the flesh thing. Let's do the tick list. Or maybe let's just ask the child. That's what happens when parents cop out. We see it often. Because convictionless people do not make decisions because it is, it's hard to take that faith step. It comes with consequence and not everyone likes you because of it hear me people and God is calling us to be a people like that in your own personal life all right disobedience sin rebellion idolatry and disrespect to God was was covered by religion in this this example what did Saul say No, 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 we're going to use this to honor God. 
You know, part of the rationale that sometimes is brought in is like, okay, when we do this, and now this is now the flesh speaking, we're going to, uh, we're going to reach those people. I know that CEO, I'm going to reach his heart. You know, you try to rationalize it like that. And it's dangerous. Just be clear on what, what God has said. Okay, not with a rationale, with the clarity of the Lord says. Because when you try to bring in rationale, it has a way of bringing in the fleshly part of you. It's very, very important. Now, in, in the New Testament, Jesus, the um, what is that in English? Um, Sermon on the Mount. He also warned about these religious acts. Okay? He said in Matthew 6, 1, he said, Be careful not to practice your religiousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. Matthew 6, 5, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly I tell you, they have received the reward in full. And verse 16, when you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly I tell you, they have received the reward in full. And it is, and it is good things, eh? It is the religious acts, it is prayer and fasting. God is saying, be true. Never bring in self. That's the point. Why did Saul fall? Because he had his own interest in self-preservation. That was his priority, not God. God is saying, make me first in everything. And then when you pray, it's all about me. When you fast, it's all about me. When you do your Christian life, it's all about me. You won't even think of other people. Because your eyes are on me. Your focus is on me. And that is where we need to be. You want to be obedient, accurately so? Take your eyes off self and just focus on God. All right. No matter the consequence. So, dead religion focuses on self and focuses on man. And that is what we see in this example. Um, in Proverbs 9, 10 to 12, it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. For through wisdom your days will be many, and your years will be added to your life. If you are wise, your wisdom will reward you. If you are a mocker, you alone will suffer. He's speaking here of a reverence to God. Okay, It is speaking about lordship, the, the, the essence of Fearing the Lord has to do with lordship. Lord, I give everything over to you. You are the most important. Okay? That is what that fear of the Lord is all about. Now, the question is, who do you fear? Do you fear God or do you fear man? And it's not an easy thing to always answer because you need to go and look at your decisions and your life to truly answer that. There's constantly this, this fleshly thing that comes against you, okay, that, that causes you to see the opinion of man as important and your position. And it's incredible that the brighter you are, the more degrees you have, the more difficult it is. 
That was maybe the number one thing that came against me. I was, I was a professional metallurgical engineer registered at EXA. And it came against me because I made my decisions based on who I was as a professional engineer. Did God use that? Of, of course he did. But he wanted me to honor him first. He wanted me to fear him first and not man. And not my own way and intellect. Because what it does is my peers looked at me in the way that we do business, even our website that honored God first. I said, you don't do that in professional business. You don't speak that religious stuff in meetings. Why not? Why not? Because it's not professional. <laughs> I don't know what to say. <laughs> and you know what I'm speaking about. You sometimes get into situations, and it's like, Rudy, you need to just be, but you need to be wise, eh? Yes, I know. I know. God loves people, and we don't Bible bash people. That's not what I'm saying. But there's a place where you stand up as a son of God, and you honor him. Okay, and if you are afraid to put God first on your, in, on your Facebook or your website, I want to ask why. Is it not professional? The world can put LGBTQ and the rainbow on their website, and no one says anything about it. We need to have conviction. I want to challenge you. Is Christ first? Is it displayed? Is he branded over everything that you do? It's part of obedience. That's how Satan steals our obedience and doing God's will because we need to just, you know, we need to just fit in. We need to just tolerate. We, we shouldn't offend. The gospel is here to offend for their benefit. It's because we love that we say, come on, a man is a man and a woman is a woman. You need to be bold in that. And you know what? The next generation is longing for it. Parents, have conviction. Please, in the schools, go and speak against these things. Have a conviction. Be obedient to the conviction of your heart. Put it everywhere. Put the truth up there. The Bible says, write it on your, on your doorposts so that you can look at it, so that everyone can see it. Let us not compromise. And God is calling us not to compromise. And it's not always understandable. We need to obey because we have a conviction regarding who God is. Now, I don't want to end with this Come on, all right? This is encouragement, okay? I hope you see it like that. But I do, do want to, to end with the gospel message because there's this incredible thing, which is the gospel message, and that is the Holy Spirit with us. So how do we do this life of obedience to God? Well, now, what we see in, in Romans 7 and 8 is this contradiction. He ends... Romans 7, 24 and 25. This is Paul speaking to the church in Rome. What a rich man I am. Who will rescue me from this body 
that is subject to death. Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself in my mind am a slave to God's law, but in my sinful nature a slave to the law of sin. So he's saying, in myself, in my fleshly person, I cannot do this. Absolutely true. But then he goes on to to chapter 8. He says, therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do because it was um, weakened by the flesh, God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so He condemned sin in the flesh. Verse 4. In order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us, who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. This is what we have. This whole morning, we've been making proclamations of who we are and what we have. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. This is how you live this life of obedience. You in yourself, in your fleshly nature, it's like Paul saying, I try, but I fail. I try and I fail. But in the Spirit, I can do this. In the Spirit, I'm empowered. In the Spirit, I can live this life. If you go and read um, verse 12, it says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it's not to the flesh, to live according to it. Um, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die, but... By the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body. You will live. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. In Romans 8, 6, he speaks of this mind that is set on the Spirit and how that that leads to life and peace. And here he confirms in verse 12, to live according. Live means do. My day to day. I do my day to day in the Spirit. Because those that live that way For those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. In the last three weeks, we've been speaking about who you are. Children of God. Led by the Holy Spirit. Guided by Him. Do not let the environment of the humanistic nature in the culture of our day hinder you to obey God because of fear of man and your own agenda that creeps in. Let us be pure in our obedience. And let us fix our minds on the things of the Spirit. And we are then empowered to do those things. Trust the Lord. If you struggle with something, your prayer is not, I I wonder if it, it came through that opa or... No. You say, Lord, through the blood of Jesus Christ, I've got the gospel message. I'm empowered by the Holy Spirit. Through you, I can now do this. Lord, I'm struggling. It's a real thing. Speak to God and He will strengthen you. Where do you put your mind? On the Spirit. Because it's a conversation. Do not stress about anything, Philippians 4 says. 
But come to me in prayer and supplication and I will give you peace that will transcend all understanding and that will guide your heart and your mind. How do you make decisions? Speak to God. Get into peace. How? Through speaking to Him. And then He will guide you. Then you will know how to make decisions. And then you will fix your minds on the Spirit and the Spirit will empower you to do what God has called you to do. Man, that is a powerful church. You agree? Let us do that. Church, God is calling us to be accurately obedient in unity. Each one of you have a part to play in the kingdom of God, in His church. A unique gift that God has raised. Please do not let the fear of man or your own agenda steal that. Never do. I want to encourage you. You are sons in the family of God. That's who you are. And that is your identity. Let's live that. In 1 Corinthians 2.14 it says, The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. Guys, in the world, people that do not have this truth, that hasn't made that decision yet, they do not understand. So we can have grace with that. Not pity, grace. And we can love. And we can boldly put forward the gospel message as a call to come in. But understand that the things of the Spirit is foolishness to the world. So do not be surprised when they look at you in that way. The Bible says they are the fools. So you don't go to them and condemn them in that way, you fool. You don't have the Spirit. I do. I know what to do, and I'm empowered. You can, no, it is with a compassion and a love that you look at people and you, and you live out who you need to be. You know what? So many people over the years has criticized us in how we do our life, how we bring up our children. Man, how many times? Just to, after 10 years, come to us and say, we looked in, and now we look at the fruit of your children, for instance, and we just want to say, we honor you for what you've done. Is it difficult? Yes. Because we need to say no to the culture of the day. Constantly. Don't watch that. Don't wear this. Don't go to that place. Don't be involved in that situation. What does it do? It isolates you in a cultural environment. But the fruit is so sweet. And it bears such a beautiful testimony. Your obedience gives glory to God. Just think about that. But if you do not, it's like rebellion. It's idolatry. Let us obey God. Not because we, because we fear Him first. All right. Holy Spirit will help us. And we're going to pray together now. All right. Father, Thank you that we are empowered by the Holy Spirit. Thank you that you help us. We are dependent on you, Lord. Lord, in everything, help us to put down our flesh and have a confidence of the spirit life that we now have in you.